CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Craig Goldie from Dio, Dio Disciples, and now Resurrection Kings. And you're listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. guys, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm completely honored because we have one of my favorite guitar players on the uh, podcast today, a guy I've never had on Talking Metal, so it's uh, it's very cool. He could finally join us, and he's got some great new music out with the Resurrection Kings. His name, of course, is Craig Goldie, who was just an enormous part, in my opinion, of the Dio legacy. Wow, I'm just blown away. I just finished talking to him, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about our sponsor. It's Adam and Eve, and please go support Adam and Eve. you got Valentine's Day coming up. If you need a little sexy gift, or you're gonna, if you're going to be feeling lonely on Valentine's Day, they also have some, some great, uh, a great selection of adult DVDs. So go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code TALKING. Uh, again, that's talking. So right now I want to get into some uh, viewer or viewer, listener email. We had a guy give us a PayPal donation. His name is Patrick, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks to him. I sent said thanks to him in an email, and he shot me back an email saying, Hey, Mark, you're welcome. Glad to help out. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast, and I really enjoy Metal Raps. Uh, in case you don't know, Metal Raps, guys, is a... a Part of Talking Metal Digital, it's when I talk with Mitch Joel and Mitchell Fawn about metal rumors and news and all that. So um, 
Patrick says he's a big fan of metal raps. Uh, if we can't get, if we can't have more frequent episodes of metal raps, then perhaps extending each one to an hour. Nice chemistry between you and the two Mitches, so it'd be cool to hear you guys dig a little deeper into some of these topics. While it looks like John may not be joining you in the foreseeable future, it's always fun to hear episodes where you team up with Victor from Mars Attacks and others. Uh, yeah, man, as you know, John has ha- kind of been back in the fold somewhat. He was joined me on two episodes, and yeah, I miss Victor. We got to do something with him, definitely, get him back on Talking Metal. Uh, and Patrick goes on with his email. The year-end top 15 releases podcasts were loads of fun, and I couldn't agree with you more on Ghost and Queensryche being at the top of the heap while seeing Queensryche open for scorpions a couple months ago was exciting i can't wait to see them do a proper headlining gig at the end of january here in chicago as for a song oh yeah i told patrick he could uh he could pick a song and he gives me a few um a few suggestions and uh patrick i think i'm going to go with uh King's X, Fall On Me. And uh, again, Patrick goes on to talk about some other stuff in the email. But I just wanted to give a special shout-out to Patrick Pendleton. Thanks so much, man. And here's a little King's X with Fall On Me. And then uh, after that, we're going to be hearing from Craig Goldie.
just heard was a little King's X. And before we get into the interview with Mr. Craig Goldie, a longtime uh, hero of mine, I'm a big fan of not only his guitar playing, but just the wonderful songwriting this guy has, has done through the years. And he has got a new record out called Resurrection Kings, which you guys got to check out. It's great stuff. Yeah, but before we get into that, listen, you can make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from our friends at adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seamlessly endless selection of adult DVDs. For you uh, lonely guys who might not have a date on uh, Valentine's, I definitely recommend picking up an adult DVD at adamandeve.com using our promo code, of course. Uh, And there's more. With every order, you'll receive our romance kit free. Our romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. Oh, no, it's not. We'll also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter the offer code TALKING, T-A-L-K-I-N-G. That's TALKING at adamandeve.com. Show your support for this show and, and go buy some shit. All right, guys, thank you. And without further ado, let's get right into this interview. Uh, We're going to first hear some music from Resurrection Kings. This is Distant Prayer, brand new music. This is a little sound sample. Go buy the full song on iTunes. Again, this is Distant Prayer by Resurrection Kings. Great stuff here. Check Check this out. It's out now. The debut album by Resurrection Kings on Talking Metal. Followed by my interview with Craig Goldie, known for his work with Dio. Among others, Rough Cut, Jafria, and of course, Resurrection Kings. All right. Anyways, here it is. Distant Prayer by Resurrection Kings.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and joining me on the line today, for the first time uh, ever uh, on this podcast, Craig Goldie. Craig, thanks so much for calling in. I've been a longtime fan. Met you for the first time back in uh, 1986. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate it. An honor to be with you. I had the pleasure of listening to the Resurrection Kings record, which is coming out today, Friday, January 29th, and it sounds just excellent. I'm very excited about it. We just heard a song off the record called Distant Prayer, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about who's in this band with you and uh, actually find out if it's a band or just a project. Obviously, we know Vinnie Apice is is on the the drums, but who else is uh, in this with you? First, it started off as a, as an email because you mentioned about it. Is, is it a band or a project? It did start off as a recording project. I got an email from the president of Frontiers asking me if I'd like to do an album with other guys that had names for themselves in the '80s, uh, leaning towards a sound like White Snake, Rainbow, Deep Purple, and I was absolutely happy to do it. And then, as the uh, lineup came into focus, uh, a few of them dropped out, and one of the songs that they, they asked me if, to submit some original material because they were putting some songs together for it, too. One of the songs was Living Out Loud that Chaz West and I had wrote together. So a portion of your of the answer to your question, Chaz West, he and I, he, he sang in uh, a little bit for Lynch Mob, a little bit for J.K. Lee's Red Dragon Cartel, some a bit in Foreigner, but most people would know him from Bonham. Right. Uh, but um, he also sang in a band that Vinny and, Krigger, the drummer from Jafria, started called Hollywood All-Stars. And sometimes Jeff Pilson would play with him. Sometimes Jimmy Bain. Uh, we'll be talking about him. Uh, so I don't want to get too sad right now. Right. right. Um, and then um, Carlos Gavazzo. So, and then Chaz West was singing. So Carlos couldn't make a couple of the concerts, and they, Krigger had asked me if I could fill in. And as I was learning the DVD, as I was watching the DVD, learning their set, I was just amazed, like, wow, this guy's hitting all the notes that nobody can hit anymore. And then as we toured, you know, you know, five, six, you know, concerts in a row, most people, you know, can't do that and still hit all the notes, you know, night after night. But he was doing it. And then one concert we had, we drove together from uh, L.A. to, to Vegas, and we just kind of bonded and became friends, and we said, we should try something. So Living Out Loud came out of that. Gotcha. And uh, if you do have an opportunity to play another song from that album, since it's already been re- released, it would be really great, because I'm really proud of that song Absolutely. for many reasons, and if we have time, I can get into that. But And then uh, the other, um, when when the singer dropped out of the original lineup, he also played bass, so we needed a bass player. And me and Chaz and, Sh- and Sean McNabb had talked about putting a band together. I saw them one night doing some Zeppelin songs, and God, you could close your eyes and swear you're listening to a live CD. They and I mean, they look the part. They play. I mean, Sean is just a really great bass player. He's not just a good-looking guy who happens to play bass. You know, you know, he's he's him and Rudy are like, you know, they're. I don't believe in aliens, but you know, if there were, those guys are aliens. You know, because right. they're they just they have everything going for them. I mean, you know, and Sean can sing. You know, so it's like, dear Lord. So we were going to try to put a band together after I sit, sat in with him that night. And then, you know, life doesn't read my priority list. <laughs> so things got put, put aside, and here we are now. And, uh, it's, and, and 
as we started to record this record, we just got so impressed with the way it came out that we just now we're in we're in um in negotiations with managers and agents to put a tour together in support of it and we'd all like to do another record together. Wow, that's great. That was one of my next questions. Will there be live dates? So that's that's excellent news. And it'll be the same the same guys, Sean, Chaz and, and Vinny, uh for live dates, you think? Oh, definitely. I mean that you know, that would be you know the, the the priority. We want to be able to try to keep the the lineup intact because it is such a special lineup. You know that um, it's just the way it came together. I mean, at first to the naked eye, it looked like the project was falling apart at the seams, but in reality, it was actually becoming more powerful and stronger. You know, right. and when we wrote songs, Alessandro Del Vecchio, the producer, he wrote pretty much the whole record. He either wrote it or co-wrote it. Uh, some of it him and I co-wrote, some of it he wrote on his own, and some of it he co-wrote with others that were picked. Those songs were picked from Frontiers. And, um, man, I mean, that guy's like the fifth member of the band. I mean, that guy, he sings really good, too. I can't wait to do an album someday with him as the lead singer. But it was a great co- a collaborative um, effort because record company, producer, and band, we all just worked together for, you know, all you know, for the same reason, and it just, there was no one person, you know, calling the shots except for, you know, Frontiers picking the songs that were going to be submitted, and, you know, God bless them, they have every right to do that, and I think they did a great job. But as we started to record this record, when I had Vinny and Sean's bass to put my guitars on, it's like, wow, you know, what a great inspirational foundation. Then I got a couple of songs, you know, I can draw like a photograph and I can paint, so... I very rarely get a chance to record and paint with my guitar, so I got a chance to paint with my guitar in a couple of the songs, and I got a chance to do some things that I'd never got a chance to do before. When, when you I say like, paint with your guitar, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, create textures and, and um, set changes and mood changes. And, right, okay. You know, there's for the same reason there's warm and cool colors, you know, blue and purple and green or cool colors and red and orange and yellow are the warm colors. Uh, sometimes you can have a painting that's a landscape. Sometimes you can have a painting of a person. Sometimes it can be abstract. Um, since I can paint, I kind of wanted to be able to utilize... Um, Fortunately for me, that understanding kind of spills into my guitar playing, but I never really get a chance to utilize that other side of me. So sometimes I can create different textures and different, almost like sound effects, without without um, having to rely on technology to create those sound effects. I can do it manually, but it takes time to create it. And, it, and so most of the time, I, I really wasn't given that opportunity until now. And... So there's times when, you know, just one note will go off into the distance, you know, right. but that takes, an, you know, a separate track to do that. And then another note will be doubled or tripled, or sometimes there's 16 guitars for one rhythm track. Um, and that takes time, and it doesn't, you wouldn't really notice it unless it wasn't there. Well, that, that, that's that's interesting because I detected certain sounds on, on the record that I thought maybe were keyboards. So is that, what I'm hearing, is that actually just textured and and painted guitar, if you will, or is there actually keys on the record? It's a little bit of both, because they're, they're on, on Had Enough, there's times when I, even I, if, if I didn't know that, that I recorded it, you'd swear it was keyboards, but there are keyboards on, you know, 
several of the songs. Good stuff. Well, it's a great sounding record, and I really hope uh, the you. Talking Metal listeners will will get out there and pick this up. Um, again, it is released today, Friday, January 29th. So buy it on iTunes, buy the CD. We'll have links up in today's show notes. Uh, where did the name Resurrection Kings come from? Actually, Sean, uh, he was in a band with a guy that had that name. And um, Frontiers loved the song Living Out Loud so much, they were actually, gonna, at one point in time, was going to call the band and the album Living Out Loud. And none of us really wanted that to happen, including myself. I mean, even though it was my song, you know, I'm, I'm flattered, but I, I don't think that, you know, I didn't really like that. So, um, once again, you know, it was another collaborative effort. The record company said, okay, guys, well, if that's the case, we have a certain amount of time before we have to go to print. So you, you know, here's your moment, you know, go for it. Let's see what you come up with. And sure enough, Sean came up with Resurrection Kings, and, and we all loved it. Excellent, excellent, cool. Well, you've, you've mentioned the song a couple times now, uh, so let's actually have a listen to it, and then I want to come back and talk about your, your career, specifically about your time with uh, Ronnie James Dio in the Dio band. Uh, Living Out Loud is the name of this one. You said you, wanna, you want the listeners to check out, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, real quick, um, it's, it's, for the first time I got a chance to put a mixture of all my favorite elements together, you know, like the nasty, sexy guitar parts in White Snake that don't show up in Deep Purple songs and the Deep Purple type guitar, Richie Blackmore, that don't show up in White Snake songs, some stuff that sounds like Journey and Foreigner. There's some of that stuff that shows up, but a heavier version of that, uh, Rainbow and Deep Purple. So, so there's a mixture of that throughout the album, but there's a really cool mixture of kind of like White Snake and Deep Purple and Rainbow with a little bit of me and, and this song. Cool. Let's check it out right now on Talking Metal. I ain't got time to waste Dream chaser can't hesitate I've been careful about what I choose I beg us back, there's no way to lose No, no, yeah Been down and out, misunderstood
What you just heard was Living Out Loud, a new song by Resurrection Kings. The debut album is out today, and live dates potentially on the way. We're looking forward to that. And guys, just do yourself a favor and go support Craig Coldy and pick up Resurrection Kings. It's a great listen. Um, I stand behind it. I really am digging this record. Thank you. Craig, I've been a, a, a fan of yours for a long time. I, the first time I think I saw you play live was way, way back in the day when you were opening for, for Deep Purple with Jafria. But <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the t- point in my life when I really came to, to be a big fan of yours was when I, I first met you in 1986. You were doing an in-store record signing in Melrose Park, Illinois. I, I have the <laughs> Intermission EP with your signature on it and you also signed a poster Aww. for me it was great the whole the whole band was there all the guys can you talk about that early time uh getting into the band with uh with with ronnie and and of course jimmy bain who sadly we just lost and, and uh, just those early memories of joining up it was i guess ha- like in the middle of the sacred heart tour is that when you got in, in the band with them yeah that's correct um it stemmed way back from the very first time I met Ronnie and when we started recording um, for that band, Rough Cut. Right, okay. Um, actually, I came from an abusive family, and so I was in and out of the hospital, so I chose the streets instead of that at age 14. Wow. And so with my last $20 that I made giving guitar lessons, uh, I made a demo, and that demo ended up in the hands of Mr. Ronnie James Dio. And he said, we got to get this kid up here because uh, he was producing that band, and his wife, uh, Wendy Dio, was his manager and also Rough Cut's manager. So they were actually renting gear for me to do the audition, because all I had was a guitar. You know, how do you find a kid that lives in his car and doesn't have an amp? Wow. <laughs> but the, I mean, because Jake had just left Rough Cut to join Ozzy, yes. and everybody in L.A. that was already established was ready to audition. It could have been a real easy replacement for them, but they chose to go this route. Wow. And something in that demo, he said, just said, we got to get this kid up here. And then he wanted to meet me that day. I was like, no, I, I think it's really like I want to meet you because, you know, Ronnie is and was my favorite singer. And he was the voice I turned to, you know, when I had rough times. And just like the rest of the world, you know, I, as I started to, you know, really uh, meet the fans who Ronnie just Ronnie treated fans like friends and family. They weren't fans. They were friends and family members. They, he would talk to them like equals and look them right in the eye and, and make them feel like the only person in the room that mattered at that particular time, which gave them like this memory that they would treasure for the rest of their lives, just because that was the kind of man he was. And one day in the studio working with Rough Cut, he looked at me and said, Goldie, if Viv ever doesn't work out, you'd be my first choice. Wow. That's why there were no auditions. Viv was out and I was in, and that was it, because Ronnie was a man of his word. He'd already, we'd already worked together. We wrote together at that time. Uh, in fact, on the audition, he sat in, and we did Man on the Silver Mountain and Heaven and Hell together, and he sang over one of my original riffs. And I even have a recording of that we wrote on the very first day we met. We performed on the very first day we met, and we became friends. He so- would have me come over to his house, and we'd just hang out, just the two of us. So it was a real, you know, I don't want to get all Disney on you and everything, right. but it was a dream come true. It was just absolutely amazing. It is amazing. And how much time are we talking between when he was working with you in Rough Cut and when you joined up in the, during the Sacred Heart tour? Well, it seemed like forever for me, but it was about maybe only really four years. Okay. You know, 
1982-ish, because then Jafria was 83, 84. And then I worked with Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge in 84, 85. And then it was 86 when I got the call when I was working with Rudy and Tommy to join Dio. Wow. Okay, cool. And how, how welcoming was the band? It was, it was obviously, you already had a relationship with, with, with Ronnie, and, and that sounds like uh, he, he was very welcoming. But, you know, obviously, as time passed, you got along great with, with, with Vinny, and I assume probably uh, J- Jimmy and Claude, too. But at that time, you were kind of an outsider to them, I would think, coming into the band that it had already well, I guess three successful records and uh, numerous tours under their belt. How how welcoming were they to you at first? Well, fortunately for me, Dio was run like a family. So that he picked people not only that were amazing musicians, but were good people that he can form a strong friendship and a bond and a family-type bond with. And so me and Claude had worked together in Rough Cut before, so I knew I knew him. And because Ronnie and I were friends during the Rough Cut period, um, he always had me around, so I, I knew all the guys in the D.O. band. Um, in fact, there were times when I'd stay too late at Ronnie's house, he'd bring out a mattress, sheets and blankets and pillows, and make me a bed, tuck me in like a father to a child, give me headphones so I could hear the, the recordings of Holy Diver before it was even finished. And so I was around that whole period, you know, and and they were nothing but nice guys. Vinny was just, you know, as funny and, and, and great as he, as he is now. Jimmy was just a great guy. Uh, Viv was, you know, at the time, I know those guys, Ronnie and Viv, had such a vile um, feud. But Vivian was always really nice to me, you know, until he stole the one-handed thing that he used on, on his solo during uh, the last line tour. And Ronnie said, you know, that's just the, the greatest form of... of uh, flattery is if he steals it just let it go because i wanted to ask him to stop what specific that was he would he would bring his his right hand over and and uh mute the strings and play with one hand that was me i did that wow okay because when i was giving guitar lessons i would write in tablature you know what that means sure absolutely so as i as i would make sure that each note was exactly right when i was writing out solos that i would tap the notes with my left hand as i would write with my right hand and so then i went i wonder if i could play with one hand Wow. So I plugged the guitar in and started playing, and because it's a percussive type of thing, the strings that weren't being utilized were being vibrated, so they made noise. So my first um, inclination was to mute the strings with my right hand as I played with my left hand, mm. and I developed it over a few years. And then we opened up for Dio on a Holy Diver, and they videoed it because when the, you say um, we, they wanted you're videos about of rough the band, cut? but also they were trying to tell the drummer to stop ripping off Vinny's drum drum fills because you know but they had to have to prove it but there was my guitar solo on the bus you know and he saw it and he and he and he used it and tried to tell people it was his wow now when you say we were opening up for for dio you're talking about rough cut yes right right interesting stuff and then jimmy was one of the first ones to really kind of you know make that special effort you know, he would always say, hey, Craig, come here, hey, Craig, hey, Craig, you know, because he was Scottish. Yeah. Hey, come here, check this out, hey, Craig, come here, you know, hey, hey, let's go over here, and he'd laugh, and, you know, we'd make, you know, we I have pictures of him and I uh, pointing at the, because we'd walk around barefoot sometimes, and, and by the tour bus, pointing at the dirt on the bottom of our feet, just laughing. I mean, that he was just a regular guy, but 
nobody could had that feel and nobody had that tone. I mean, he was just, he was also one of a kind, you know. Um, there was a time when we were doing Magica, and um, we all had to count for this one hold because it was like we had to count to like 21 or something really odd and then hit on an upbeat instead of a downbeat. And there's Jimmy just walking around, you know, cigaretting half of, half of his mouth, walking around, looking around like just like he almost, if you didn't know him, it looked like he just didn't care. And then right. bam, right when it needed to be hit, there it was. We all had to go 16, 17, 18, 19, here it comes, dang. You know, yeah. he's just walking around. He just had a gift. Yeah. And uh, he was a really warm-hearted man, great sense of humor, and there's definitely, you know, a hole in this planet, you know. Yeah. That's, he, he's going to leave behind. And such a, a signature sound that he and, and you know, Vinny would get together. Like you always, that rhythm section, those two guys, they just always, whenever I hear it, I know it, you know. and, and uh, Yeah, there's nobody else besides those two. I mean, they just really have a way. I mean, Vinny, Vinny you know, there's a gift with a rhythm section, you know, on how to build a song momentum-wise. You know, you can have a, a riff and a cool melody line and lyrics, but it needs to feel good. You know, and that was one of the things that I really learned out of a lot of the things that I learned during that time in that band with them and with Ronnie. Those two just were special. You know, there, there's there's just a gift that they had, and the two of them together was just, you know, shatterproof. Absolutely. And, you know, Dream Evil was the first full-length record you did with with the guys in uh, 1987 that was released. And in a lot of ways, to me, I thought it was a lot better of a record than 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 sacred heart and uh i rank it right up there with with last in line and holy diver it's a it's an excellent excellent record and a lot of times overlooked i think um what 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 happened after that like uh you know i guess you guys toured and then then you exited the band um and it wasn't yeah at some point i'll say because um, i haven't ever all all these years i've never said why and someday i will okay because uh, I know what I did right, and I know what I did wrong, and I know what Ronnie did right, and I know what he did wrong. But it has to be said in a special way so that I can control, so that way it doesn't look like I'm trying to take a shot at somebody who can't defend themselves. And it's just not that I can't trust you, it's just I want to make sure that when it happens, I do it, so that way people can fully understand it, so that way there is no love lost, there is no respect lost. It's just so it's completely understood. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. And then there is a, a fairly big gap, before, you know, until you re- return to the Dio fold in 2000, uh, Magica. Is that right? It, it, that's when you first came back, or were you back slightly that's before? That's correct. Yeah, for Magica. And uh, what in your life, m- musically or even personally, if you will, were you up to uh, between Dream Evil and, and Magica? Oh, well, I did a solo album. And actually, we, me and Ronnie stayed friends, and Wendy was my manager for a little while. Oh, and my okay. first solo record went to number 10 in Japan, above Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, and above Ozzy's No More Tears, but only for the month of February. Right. Wow. <laughs> but, Still. You know, but at least, you know, I didn't light the world on fire, but, you know, went to number four in Imports in Europe and number 67 out of 100. There was some really good songs that I was really proud of. And... Um, you know, because I was tired of, at certain points, you know, I got tired of being a sideman and being told what to do. And it was my way of just kind of saying, hey, you know, I can play. You know, stop telling me that you think I suck. You know, I can play. I can write. I can do things 
but I didn't want to go, I didn't want to sell completely out and try to do stuff, you know, uh, I mean, God bless him, uh, Van Halen doing Dance the Night Away and stuff like that. I mean, you got to do stuff like that, but I didn't want to do that because I loved the, the rainbow type. Uh, you know, when, when Richie first started rainbow, he didn't have to go the silly route just to get noticed, you know? And, um, so I was, I didn't really go full blown that way. And so some, in, in many ways, that's what a lot of people think hurt the record. Cause I didn't really, and I didn't know how to write a hit song. I was, I was learning, you know, I was still in learning mode. I learned so much. And, um, but uh, a lot of my greatest achievements came from failures, you know. And there was I was a songwriter for Warner Brothers at, at the time, and and I could submit songs for television and film and other famous artists, and my songs kept getting turned down. So I studied hit songs and what they were made of, so to the I mean to the finest molecule that I created these empty templates to fill my those empty templates with my own original material. It made me work twice as hard, if not ten times as hard. I mean, it would take me a week to, 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 to two to three weeks to write one song. And I'm looking at that piece of paper with all these unfilled template portions. I'm going, God, I still got to do that. I still got to do that. Wow. But after a while, it became just my regular pace. And next thing I know, I got David Lee Roth calling me at home saying, hey, man, I love your stuff. Let's write some more. And he was working with you know the producer of Pink Floyd at the time. I was like, wow. So I thought I was really on to something. So I started... You know, trying to get bands together with other famous guys, but their egos were so astronomically large that they were like, "I don't need the process to write a song." You know, they, you know, God bless them. They had their all these platinum records and gold records on their walls, but they stopped working. Their passion was gone. Yeah. So I turned it on to my students, and they started to flourish. Next thing I know, these guys are calling me saying, "Craig, I got, I got a record deal. What do I do? I don't have. I, I don't." I have a lawyer or a manager, and so I looked over the contracts and negotiated contracts for them. And guys would go, "Dude, I got a millionaire to invest in my project. What do I do?" I was like, "Well, you know, let's do the do that." And so I created like this this um, thing called Destiny Bridge, where uh, to try to help people because it's such a difficult task, you know, to try right. to become from zero to ten. And Destiny really Bridge, that's a book, go. right? That's a book that you... Yeah, it's you, a learn-as-you-go prog- program we have still to this day. You know, when a girlfriend introduces her boyfriend to her father, and he goes, is he a doctor or a lawyer? And she goes, no, he's a musician. <laughs> you know, the blood just drains from the father's face. Right. Now, that shouldn't be, you know, because music is one of the highest forms of the communication besides, you know, art that, that fills the museum walls all over the world. The only difference between us and doctors and lawyers is that doctors and lawyers have places to go to learn everything they need to know before they become doctors and lawyers. So I decided to, to uh, everything that I had learned and accumulated over the years, especially by being brought under the wings of Ronnie and Wendy Dio and some of the people that I rubbed shoulders with, I learned a lot of inside stuff that you just can't learn anywhere else. But if most people, if you share that information, you're creating competition within the person you share that information with so they just huddle around that information like squirrels gathering nuts for the winter i decided no you know i I think i think for the same reason we all have a fingerprint which makes us individual and unique you know for the same token that representatives you know uh, like uh, democrats and republicans all have a different interpretation of the single one single document you know that information that i share 
they're, everybody's going to have their own interpretation of that document, that information that I share, because we're all unique. And so um, I wanted to create a place for people to go where they can learn everything they need to know uh, before they even start, how to write a hit song, what a hit song is made of, what a hit band is made of, managers and agents and record companies that they can go to. And, and you know, so I'm, I'm still trying to build that because I want to make what was once wrong before I was born right before I die. And even though the Internet has changed things drastically, record companies are not obsolete. And going alone on the Internet and marketing yourself is not the cure-all. But the process that's involved in reaching people's hearts so deeply that it makes them want to reach into their pockets and buy that music instead of just give you a dude you rock comment on your Facebook, that process is always the same and always will be. And I stumbled across that process, and, I, and that's the process that I want to share. Cool. So and, where uh, where do people go to connect with, with your sharing uh, of this? Simply knowledge? to yeah. craigoldie.com. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. And yeah. again, we will have that site link through today's show notes on Talking Metal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and there's and there's also internet marketing uh, experts that can help, too. If they do want to go, you know, don't go the record company route. Because a lot of people, but when they do that, they have to remember they become the record company. Gotcha. And when they think they don't want to be part of the music industry, they have to remember that selling original music with the intent of making a profit is the music industry. So they have to learn, you know, how to, you know, what the music industry knows if if they want to be successful on their own without it. So there's people that can help them with that. My book helps them with that. One of my students just recently contacted me to tell me that he's making $75,000 a year and he just bought himself a $350,000 home and he attributes it completely to my help. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. It has to make you feel good. It does because, you know, that's, that's the, I think that's the reason, you know, to become quote-unquote famous and you know i never got rich because i was paid as a sideman but you you know with whatever type of position you might hold and whatever type of influence you might have you use it to better people's lives and not just your own right on right on good advice and again we'll definitely have the the links up in today's show notes to craig's site uh just a a few a few quick uh, little things back into the do history if you will uh craig uh, Magica also reunited uh, you and Jimmy Bain both on that record. Right. Uh, and then Jimmy stayed on board for, for Killing the Dragon in 2002, but you were were absent from that album. Was was there, uh, what was the reason for your, your absence? Because I know you then, of course, came back into the fold later. Yeah, quite honestly, it was family. Oh, um, okay. And Ronnie was wonderful about it. You know, I wrote some music for that album. Uh I had married a girl from Denmark, and she was pregnant. Oh, okay. And uh, she was moving to America, and my son was going to be born right around the time that they were going to go on tour. And I just couldn't say, okay, welcome to America. You know, you ha- you know no one. You know nowhere how to get nowhere. But bye, I've got to go on tour. And, oh, and by the way, take care of my, of my son. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't do it. No, makes sense. And Ronnie understood, so that's why we stayed friends. And then, you know, things turned out, you know, it turned out that she wasn't who I thought she was. You know, but my, you know, my son and I are very close. He's an amazing kid. And um, they moved back to Denmark, and um, so I got asked back in the band. Oh, okay. 
Gotcha. And uh, that's, I think, the last time I saw Dio was at the Beacon in uh, New York City. It was you, Rudy Sarzo, uh, I believe it was Simon Wright on drums, right? And, and uh, yeah. Dio, that was a yeah, great Rudy, that was a man. great night. I don't know if you remember that night, but it was uh, I think October two thousand four, maybe November two thousand four. I'm not sure. Great. Oh, I remember great. the Beacon. Yeah. yeah, great, great night and a great record. Master of the Moon is again one of my my favorites, and uh, I, I felt like on that record there was more of uh, the sound was more kind of going back to some of the the rainbow and the Sabbathy stuff that Ronnie had done earlier in his career. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, actually I do. I mean, um, I, whenever Ronnie and I uh, work together on an album, he has me move in. <laughs> yeah. We found that out to be useful when we were writing dream evil because, uh, we would both get these, uh, inspirations, song ideas at odd hours of the night and so we'd be talking to each other over the phone, you know, with that holding the phone to your ear with your shoulder while you play guitar or, or stick it near the speaker so he can hear or I can hear. And after a while, we, you know, there was a Christmas party. Uh, he got an idea. We go downstairs to his studio. The next thing we know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. We go up, everyone's gone, and, you know, my guests were asleep on his couch. You know, so he says, well, I guess maybe you should just move in. So that way we had 24-hour access to each other. And so what we would do is we would record the entire album at his home before we would go to the studio. And then, uh, so there were times when, you know, it would be, you know, just depending on his mood and, and what he statement he wanted to make, because I was such a big fan of Rainbow and his contributions to Black Sabbath, that was, that was part of me. So my contributions would be as such. So it was almost like, getting a part of his past for his future through you. my song ideas that I would present and he would pick from those. And there were, and there were times like um, Master of the Moon, I remember telling him, I go, you know what? Let me program the drum machine. Let me plug in all this stuff. Let me run the computer. You know, you deserve to just, you know, let, let make that seat. I point to the chair that he said, I go, you're the executive director. You just, you know, that way you can just kind of sit and as things happen, you can kind of just direct and tell me what you want, and I'll just make it happen. You know, because I was faster at programming the drum machine. I played bass. Him and I played all the keyboards on Magicka and Master of the Moon. So we really, you know, we just we could make things happen quickly. But at the same time, he didn't have to spend his time, you know, trying to struggle with playing the keyboards because neither one of us really played that well. But we knew how to get it done. He played bass and he played guitar. You know, and but you know programming the drum machine and running the, the computer and doing all the edits and mixing and stuff. Just let me do that. You know, you but, tell me what you want. But those so things you, like, like editing uh, and, and drum machine programming, those were things that, that Ronnie would occasionally do on his own? Oh, yeah, he did all that. You know, because oh. when, whenever we would get ready to write a song, he would have, you know, six or seven ideas, you know, done that way. He programmed the drum machine on his own, played bass, played keyboards, did the guitar, sang on it. And I would have mine. Mine just didn't have any vocals on it. And we'd get together and we'd compare notes and, oh, I love that. And, oh, I like that. And, oh, let's use that part for this and that kind of thing. Excellent stuff. And, uh, you know, we were both, uh, or we were all as fans so, so saddened to hear this news about, about Jimmy Bain, who you spent a lot of time with in, in Ronnie's band through the years. 
Um, were you in contact with him in, in recent years? How, what was the status of your relationship with Jimmy in, in more recent years? Well, actually, him and I did some concerts with Chaz and, uh, in that Hollywood All-Stars. And I believe that's where they got Andrew from, because there was a concert that Chaz could make it to, and Andrew took his place, and we were just floored by Andrew. We thought, wow, that guy's amazing. I'm sure that's, you know, that, you know, I don't think Jimmy knew of him before that. And he is amazing, dear Lord. Uh, but, you know, and he was at the private memorial for Ronnie. Sure. You know, there's been some, you know, I mean, it's just unfortunate, you know, that, you know, really the only one that hasn't really, you know, I mean, Vinny was in a band with Ronnie just before, you know, actually me and Ronnie were riding before he passed. That was one of the most proudest and saddest moments of my life is uh, at one point the doctor gave Ronnie a complete clean bill of health. And Wendy looked at Ronnie and said, the doctor says you can do anything you want to do now. She goes, what do you want to do? Ronnie looked at Wendy and said, write with Craig. Wow, that's awesome. So we started writing, and there is one song that we haven't, that hasn't been released yet that we're getting ready to do do that at some point. Wendy and I have talked about when, you know, we're going to try to pick when the time is right to do it. Wow, and, and so uh, it's, it's... All that time, I mean, Jimmy, you know, Ron, it was a family, you know, so it's, you know, sometimes family gets along, and sometimes they don't, you know, but they're always family, you know, and... So Jimmy was always loved, you know, everybody was always loved. It was just unfortunate, you know, I just wish that, you know, there could, you know, we could be, bygones could be bygones and just let it go and forgive like I did with my family. I mean, I, dear Lord, I was in and out of the hospital. You know, I had metal tubes stuck down areas of my body that should never even, those are outs, not ins. And, you know, just, you know, because of all the beatings, you know, and I, I forgave them and we're close now, you know. Right. You know, I would love to someday think that, you know, everybody could just get along, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe Viv, some, you know, I hope that he'll, you know, at some point just say, you know, enough is enough, you know, and just start being cool to each other. Yeah. But Jimmy and, Vi- and Vinny and Claude were all cool, but Vinny mostly, but Jimmy still was, you know, loved and still, you know, still still smiled upon by the Dio family, but him and I were, him and I were cool. We just, we just didn't work together as often because there were, you know, life had us two, down two different musical paths at that, you know, since that uh, Hollywood All-Stars. Right, I got you, I got you. Great, well, we've been talking with Craig Goldie for, for a while now, and it's just, a, man, I just love hearing all the old stories, and I love listening to the new record, Resurrection Kings, Again, it's out now, guys. Go buy it. We'll have links up in today's show notes. And one quick final last question before I let you go, Craig. Uh, yes, sir. The current status of Dio Disciples, is that um, still happening? What, what What's going on with that? Yeah, actually, we're going to be doing the Monsters of Rock cruise, and when and we, we are currently actually recording original material. Oh, wow. Okay. So there will be an original material album out this year and another tour. Okay, so the original material, um, would this be stuff written by you, or is, is there a chance? You mentioned the song that that you wrote with Ronnie that might be released. Would it be released as part of the Dio Disciple? How well, we're going to keep that separate, I believe. Okay. We, we we're going to make, because that's special, okay. you know, because that's really Dio, that's really Ronnie, you know, and, and look out, everyone, because... 
when you hear him sing and you hear the words, it's going to hurt. Wow. <laughs> but but um, the Dio disciples, real quick, you know that because because Dio was run like a family. You know when a, when a family member dies, those left behind often get together to do something to keep their loved one's memory alive, and that's really the only reason why Dio disciples even exists, because we just love him and miss him. You know, and so all the concerts that we do are really just memorial concerts that are in the shape that take shape of the form of a rock concert. There's times when we're playing, you know, because those songs, Ronnie's music played such a big part in everybody's lives, including my own. You know, that I get military guys telling me, dude, you know, you have no idea, you know, before we'd have to go face battle, we'd listen to Dio before we'd go out there to give us the courage. You know, it'd be like, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, it's just amazing. So there's times when we're playing every night, we don't, don't really know what song or what part of the set it's going to be but there's always a special moment when that band and that audience connect because we're all there for the same reason we just love and miss ronnie and his music played a big part of our lives uh, as a band and as a fan i'm still a fan and there's people in the audience looking up to the sky as if they could see him in heaven and the tears are just dripping down their faces and they're singing to the sky it's just beautiful you know it's hard to get all sappy but i mean that's what that band is about you know when we come out of the we come back from the tour out of pocket it's not like we're trying to cash in on his passing you know it's just it's family members paying tribute to those to their lost family member yeah <laughs> that's all it is yeah and it's important that we keep the music alive too because i mean as you've said it i mean to me personally it just as a as a kid and being a teenager and going through tough times, it really, you know, meant so much to me. I have such vivid memories yeah. of just getting lost in the songs and in in the music that that you guys created back in those days. And uh, That's right. you know, I, I thank well, you. Well, you know for what? That. It's not often that you know. I mean, I re- thank you for making this not an interview, more of a conversation. You know, it's it's not often that you know. I've been doing interviews for thirty years, and and you know, I only say this to a handful of people for a reason. You know, because uh, it's, this has been one of the nicest interview experiences in, in 30 years. And so after this is over, I'll give you my email address if you'd like. I wrote two songs as my own personal tribute to Ronnie. And sometimes when I know that someone, you know, that Ronnie really meant something to them, you know, I send them those songs, the MP3s and the lyrics personally, so that way they they have a chance to, you know, it's kind of almost like my my way of paying tribute to him in a special way. And the singer on there, actually, him and I started a band together. So there's also that, another band coming out at some point with original material that's going to be completely different. But this stuff is kind of in the vein of the deal kind of thing because I make it my mission, you know, to make sure that Ronnie's way doesn't die with him. You know, the way he wrote songs, the way he toiled over the lyrics, because when you think about it, a song is a conversation or a story being told or being or a conversation you're having with the listener within a musical environment. And the first law of hit songwriting is melody first and then lyrics second. And the melody, actually, the amount of syllables in that melody limit the amount of words you can use to tell your story, but you still have to punch people in the heart. When you think about it that way, that's really difficult to do. And I saw Ronnie, how he toiled over that, you know, melody first and lyrics second. And he just created these masterpieces, man. And, you know, it takes a lot of work. So, you know, I wanted to make it my mission in life to try to keep that way alive, too. You know, the, the amount of work that it takes to try to p- 
put songs together, the way he treated his fans, you know, the, to you know, because it's just love. It's not. It wasn't just good customer service. He loved those guys, man, because he was a fan too, and he never forgot where he came from, you know. And a fan is just a friend you haven't met yet. Right on. So well, it's just you know, that I want to keep his way alive. That way didn't die with him. Right on. Well, thank you for the compliment on, on our conversation here. And thank you again for keeping his music alive, because once again, it's it's so important to uh, people like myself. And Craig, it's it's been a pleasure. And uh, again, Resurrection Kings out now. Great stuff. We recommend the listeners check it out. And Craig, before I let you go, I'd, I'd love to get you just saying your name and you're listening to Talking Metal, an ID, if you will. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Hi, this is Craig Goldie from Dio, Dio Disciples, and now Resurrection Kings, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Great. Craig, hold on one second while I hit save on this.
What you just heard was the song Shivers by Dio, featuring Craig Goldie on guitar. That's going back to 2004. Jeff Pilsen on the bass there. Yeah, great stuff. Big thanks to Craig Goldie for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Just what an honor. And a lot of fun talking with him and hearing all those old Dio stories. That does it for today's show. Show your support by going to adamandeve.com and buying something and using the the enter or the offer code when you check out. It's talking. And also show your support by going and buying Resurrection Kings on iTunes. Thank you. Good night.